on last week's Bird's Eye View. So they're done, right? Like, they're no, there's no more trades coming. Uh, meaningful ones? Yeah, meaningful ones. No, they're done. Okay, they're done. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is August 6, 2018, and this is episode 248. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's sh- and on this week's show, we sift through the ashes to see what remains. And we'll also take a moment to think of the children's. And we'll do all of that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking a cucumber sour. Uh, it is from Ten Barrels Brewing Company. Um, both a twist. Decided to add a little bit of Hendrix gin into it to see how well it would do. And how does it? Well, let me just stop. I did not enjoy this beer this weekend. Uh, what does the Hendrix do to it? You know, I think it could use a little bit more Hendrix, but overall, it uh, spices it up a little bit. Just when you thought I was out, you just brought me back Archer in. Back in. Yeah, uh, I am drinking a. Michelob Ultra. Mm. And here you are judging beer that I'm drinking. It's a superior light beer, Scott. It says so on the ridiculously shaped can. So I'm drinking a sour beer with liquor in it, and you're drinking water. Water with hops in it. Okay. And if you're interested to see what we are drinking on the regs, please come get social with us uh, on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MAGN8606. And with that, after lubricating for the show... It's time for a checkup. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heart, they fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> it's okay if you giggle. This will only take a little. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. All right, Jake. So uh, big news, of course, is Chris Davis being out of the lineup on Sunday due to him being banged up a little bit. In his ego? You have to figure that's the case, right? I mean, I know he's been benched before, but, you know, why is Buck Schulter playing this game of saying, like, hey, I'm just resting my veterans here? I mean, what is there to rest at this point? Uh, It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, why don't you just say... Uh, he's not very good. I'm going to sit him down for a little bit and let some of the other players play. He's sitting with a case of the sucks. Yeah. He is not so good. Uh, another one that was interesting was Pedro Rojo, uh, who I know who we don't really talk about too often, but uh, got a PRP injection uh, this past week. Uh, I feel like that escalated quickly. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to maintain a roster spot of basically saying, we're going to PRP inject you and still have to keep you on the roster. Big loss. Who cares? Nah, if, I mean, he. there were flashes this season where I was like, okay, he might be something someday. You know, the seventh guy on a on a bullpen. But, yeah, we'll see. At this point, it doesn't cost the Orioles anything to hold on to him 
if they have to put him on the roster next year, next year is also already a lost season. So why not? In fact, draft 10 rule five guys. It just won't matter. Yeah. Uh, and Jake, of course, the most disastrous news of the week has been uh, Jan Marina is going down with a hamstring injury while warming up in the fifth inning of Thursday's game against the Rangers. It w- was that terrible in the fact that the Mar- or the Rangers game could not get to 30 to three. Was that the problem? Jake, you could have held a gun to my head before Thursday's game, and I would not have known that Jan Marinas was on the 25-man roster. We talked about him last week. Jake, you could have <laughs> held a gun to my head, and there's no way that I would have been telling you that Jan Marinas was an active member of the 25-man roster. Okay. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. But it's not much of a loss. Oh, with, my goodness. With that said, the Orioles, you know, they're pretty healthy right now. They're playing their best ball. And, and, and Craig Gentry is going to come back and, uh, you know, revitalize this club once again. So, uh, yay. Buck Showalter continues to talk about Craig Gentry as he's like some godsend that is going to save this team. Don't forget, Craig Gentry, still alive. Yeah, Craig Gentry, uh, he'll be coming back. I mean, at the beginning of the season, Buck Showalter talked about Craig Gentry being the secret weapon for the team. Does Buckshaw Walter have like an obsession with like white guys? Because like Ryan Flaherty used to be this obsession for Buck back in the day. Is Craig Gentry the new Ryan Flaherty? Look, if he's the secret weapon, it's going to be a very interesting plot twist at the end of the season. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh you want to go ahead and go to 280 characters or less? Oh, this week on the Twitters. Right. Let's first take a look at a tweet from a good friend of ours, Orioles fan probs. And the well, tweet to be fair. We're doing a theme for this this week on the Twitters. This is the first time we've ever done this before. It's theme night. It's theme night. Am I dressed appropriately? So typically they do this week on the Twitters. But in reality, there was one big day that occurred here, and it was the trade deadline. I don't know what you're talking about. And it was Tuesday. Nothing big happened. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah, so I, I think we need to specifically cover everything that was Tuesday and kind of go through it. So this is not this week on the Twitters. This is this day on Twitter. This was a snapshot, a, a slice of life. Well, I mean, the the trade deadline, it, just as we expected. Yes. No big deal. No big deal. Not so what? No no issues whatsoever. Tuesday's rolling around right around 4 o'clock. And, uh, you know, um, well, let's let Orioles fan probs tell us exactly how we all felt with the four o'clock trade deadline going on. So go ahead. At Orioles fan probs with a Z. Ooh. My butthole has never been more clenched. Yeah. 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 I can, I can see that. I mean, I, I can't see that, but I, I can understand the sentiment. So, of course, this is in relation to uh, Kevin Gossman basically being traded. And then the reports came out from John Heyman saying Orioles have been talking about Jonathan Scope and deals still working which prompted dave at baltimore davy to respond the orioles are ready to as seth rollins would say burn it down now jake i know you're an avid seth rollins fan clearly no 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 he's wrestled elias before so well okay then he's he's clearly on the wrong side of things let's go to a tweet from james white who tweets at G four tour twenty Gator twenty four. I can do this. Got it. Got I can it. Do this. Live look at Buck trying to make out a lineup and rotation now. Hashtag Birdland. Hashtag Orioles. This is fine. This is fine. This is fine. This is fine. Next uh, tweet comes from Lila Shapiro Seer. You can follow her at Lila SC. I know this is the right thing to do, but man, I feel like I'm going to vomit. Did, can we just stop here for a second? Did you see her 
uh, tweeting out the letter that she wrote to her kids who were away at camp when yes. all this happened. Yes. Oof. Oof. That was an emotional roller coaster I was not ready for. Mm-hmm. Also, I kind of feel like we need to bind up the this week on the Twitters or just collect all of the tweets that we can possibly get from that day and basically publish it as like the Civil War letters to home. Yes. Like, my dearest Sarah, as we go on forward in battle, we are without Jonathan Scope and my heart is a flutter. So, folks, that's what we call a teaser in the industry. So in November or December of this year, when Bird's Eye View has nothing else to talk about. Nothing. Look for collective Civil War reenactments by Jake English for this day in Orioles Twitter. All right. The next one comes from Dan Zimbroski. And unfortunately, I'm not going to sing this one like we did last week. Uh, my feelings about the O's at this minute are so cloyingly sweet that I half expect them to salt my caramel by getting Ian Desmond on waivers or something. I really just like salt my caramel. That's a really a dandy of a reference. I'm sure that you do. All right, next we've got a tweet from Mike Petrelio, who tweets at Mike underscore Petrelio. The Orioles did a pretty good job accepting that they needed to make some real moves and start playing internationally. So this is a win of the deadline for them. They might also lose more games than they actually have on the schedule for the rest of the year. Can you have a negative 100 win percentage? <laughs> Proved him wrong. We won two games this week. Here's the thing. For a while there, they were hot. They were hot, 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 hot. At one point, the Orioles... They're almost too hot. (laughs) Too hot. Since trading Manny Machado had, like, the most runs in the American League for, like, you know, 30 whole seconds or something. Yes. How is it that that is possible? Small, simple size, small, simple, simple size. But we only had one direction of the small sample sizes going in all season. True. And bringing it full circle, this last tweet comes from Ryan at Rye Guy Blake. This is a really weird position to be in as an Orioles fan. I'm cautiously optimistic that this organization is finally heading in the right direction. On the other hand, I'm extremely sad that everything has fallen apart. That's all I have to say right now. Go O's. Can we truly be optimistic about the direction that this team is going in? Well, I think we need to somewhat sift through the ashes and uh, figure out what remains in this pile of debris that is Birdland. The end has come, Birdland. The prophecy has come full. A day will come when you think you are safe and happy, and your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth, and you will know the debt is paid. We all knew that happiness and magic could not remain forever, for if it did, then it truly would not be the greatness which is magic. But nevertheless, Tuesday was agonizing. We've known the fate of this era for quite some time. But not the form that it would eventually take. And now we are left to sift through it all and try to make a sense of what does the future hold for us as fans and for the Baltimore Orioles in general. So, Jake, I ask you, what the heck happened and what should we make of this whole situation that went down on Tuesday? Well, I don't know. I have no idea what the deal is with the Orioles. Um, But I think that we should probably take a look at what happened and ask ourselves the basic question. Uh, you know, we talked to John Mioli last week, said the Orioles didn't do anything hard yet. 
You know, yes, they traded Manny Machado. Yes, they traded Zach Britton, but you had to. You know, the next step would be, will they do something that's hard and will they stumble over it? So they've done something that's hard, right? They've they've fully committed to the rebuild. They've admitted it. Gosman and Scope are gone. Scotty, how did they do in these trades? Do you think that the Orioles got enough back for these guys? And where does that leave the 40-man roster, not only in comparison to where it was the week prior, but where it needs to go? You know, everyone has come out and basically said, oh, well, the Orioles got, you know, X amount of talent for Scope. And, you know, they didn't get as much talent for Kevin Gossman, but they were able to dump the Darren O'Day contract and get a bunch of international slot money. My opinion on this whole situation is we have no clue how well they did. It is a situation where it seems like they went out and acquired um, a bunch of middling talent. um, And they're hoping that with this shotgun approach that someone clicks and someone gets red hot um, and and someone becomes something more than they actually are. And that's going to require the Orioles to have a significant amount of development that we have yet to see in the Orioles organization in oh forever, basically. Um, I mean, even Manny Machado being the perennial player that he was, um, he was a top five pick. So to think that any of these talents are going to turn into a, a Machado-esque player is, is a foolish notion. At best, this gets into the situation that uh, they're rebuilding potentially a foundation and going out there and looking for that next Jonathan Scope or looking for that next Adam Jones or looking for someone that is that, you know, as I've always said, the plus one to plus two war players that really make up your team. And I think that's really what it, it, it comes down to is they didn't get a superstar. They got a bunch of filler to make up for their burnt down farm system over the many years. All right. I'm not in any way saying that we should be excited about either trade. But let's just put something in perspective for a second. Let's say that the Orioles got talent that was right around the edge of top 200 prospects. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying let's let's say that's the area that we're talking about. Well, do the math. All right? There are 30 teams in Major League Baseball, right? So if you're looking at a, a player that's just outside of the top uh, 200 prospects, you're looking at a guy that would be number seven, right? Maybe number eight in most farm systems. If you look around at the farm systems around the major league and take the number seven and number eight player, I think that absolutely trumps whatever the Orioles have got going on, right? And so when you look at a trade like this, you say, yeah, nobody's exciting, but the system is absolutely better than it was, you know, yesterday. And, you know, to your point of the shotgun approach, the thing is, is that we're not going to get a Manny Machado in a trade. Like, that's not going to happen. We're certainly not going to get it for, you know, two years of control of Kevin Gosman and one, you know, one year rental of Jonathan Scope. That's not how this is going to work. What we are going to get, best case scenario, is another Trey Mancini, is another Jonathan Scope. And if you can trade effectively, if you can draft effectively and develop effectively and get into the international market and increase the number of lottery tickets that you have, then the shotgun approach can be more effective than it was for, say, 14 years. I don't think that they necessarily hit anything out of the park, but I don't think you could have. Right. I mean, I, I look at the top prospects that came through at this trade deadline, and Fangrass has a great post on this. And you had Yusnel uh, Diaz come back, um, again, the number three rated prospect in all the prospects traded. You had Brett Cumberland come back in the Gossman trade from Atlanta. 
who was the seventh ranked prospect in all the prospects that were traded. Uh, you had a Luis Ortiz, right-handed pitcher, came back with the scope deal. Uh, you had uh, Jean Carlos Encarnacion. Is that, that the right? Will he parrot his way through a home run trot? I don't think so. Then it doesn't matter. Again, coming from 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 the Gossman trade, Dylan Tate, New York, and uh, Jean Carmon was basically twenty one and twenty two. So again, you you got a lot of decent players, but my my point still stands of you got a lot of people that are probably going to be at the back end of your prospect pool, but. Again, we've talked about this from the farm system from the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, we've looked at the talent that is post-10, as it were, for the farm system. And we're like, who? Who is this guy that they're talking about? And that has left us with um, kind of pulling people up from the Norfolk shutter and being like, this guy's terrible. We don't have anything to really pull from. And I think the Orioles quickly realized that if they want to get back to a situation where they could potentially use the Norfolk shuttle and or develop pitchers, they were going to have to completely restock it. These are the caveats that you make by giving up um, draft picks multiple times for a Nelson Cruz, uh, an Abaldo Jimenez, a Giovanni Gallardo. Um, and it's also the issues that you see too when uh, you don't go ahead and allocate money to international free agency. The farm system had to be rebuilt at a certain point. This was the first step in that regard. And I completely agree with you. They weren't going to go get a top 20 prospect, but they can go out there and get a bunch of talent around, we'll call it between 50 to 150. And I'm perfectly okay with doing that and basically building the depth of the prospect pool. What does this say about the organization as far as having a plan or not? Right? Because I think that the big knock of the Orioles for 14 years is that they didn't have a plan. Sure. Right? I mean, beyond the the grow the arms by the bats thing, which didn't pan out because they sucked at it. But if you look at what's going on right now, is it possible to say that the Orioles have a cohesive you, you hear that, you know, this is the more the the most organized I've seen the Orioles in a while. But do they have a cohesive approach right now, or is this just not stumbling over themselves? So I, I've seen this argument made that the Orioles have taken action, and that's great, but I don't know if action it clearly indicates that they have a plan. The fact that they took such a wide shotgun approach to the whole situation makes me think that they still don't know exactly what they're going to be doing. They basically are going to do as wide of a net as possible and then basically regroup from there and uh, and see what happens. And I think with the current scouting that they have, I don't think anybody was sold on one player and said, we have to have this player... I think they said we want to get as many players that have potential upside to see if we can turn them from raw talent into upper end prospects in the future. All right. So we've talked that nauseum about next year. We don't know if Duquette's back. We don't know if, you know, Showalter's back. We don't know what Brady Anderson's role is. So let's just sidestep that for a second. Sure. Okay. Let's say the Orioles have a plan next year, whatever it is. They have a front office structure and it works for them and they know what they're doing. Regardless of what that is, I mean, how far away do you think the Orioles are from being back to a team that can contend? I would say at least 2022 20, at this point. All right. So that's a four-year turnaround is best case scenario for you. Yeah. And then the reason I say that is, you know, it's going to take a significant amount of time for the Orioles to, A, get that superstar player that they're going to need to be able to compete and then my B is, you I mean, you look at how good the Red Sox and the Yankees are right now. 
you're going to need several of those players that they currently have to potentially get out of arbitration years and potentially to become, you know, high in terms of payroll in order to push back a little bit on them. Now, that being said, the Red Sox and the Yankees, you know, have a prolific farm systems to still come back and rely on. But I think you need to hedge your bets and hope that the current teams, then in the way they are, um, being potentially the two top teams in Major League Baseball. I'm not sure if I would put the Yankees in that category right now, but the Red Sox clearly are one of the top teams in Major League Baseball. You have to hope from a talent-wise standpoint that that talent eventually begins to precipitate off and that a new era is turned over eventually um, and that the Orioles can somehow get back in there and compete again. And similar to how we saw with the Orioles, where they had a brief moment in era and you hope that that's the same situation we see with the Red Sox and the the Yankees. Unfortunately, um, specifically with the Yankees, they always seem to, you know, see a miraculous rebirth and some player becomes an MVP candidate. Yeah. It'll be interesting because I think that to your point, right, they're trying to collect as many uh, sideshow pieces as they can, uh, but they have to draft their next superstar. Right. And that guy probably isn't on the roster in any minor league affiliate right now. So they need to draft that guy, and he needs to make it to the majors before the Orioles are really going to start making waves. That's that's the way I look at it mm-hmm. anyway. But another interesting question for me is how good will good enough be, right? Because the 2012 to 2016 Orioles that we loved so much were, with the exception of 2014, a team built to be just good enough to get into the discussion and to luck their way in, right? When the Orioles are good again, whether it's 2022 or 2024, whenever it is, is it going to be good enough for a fan base that went through 14 years of losing, a brief window of winning, a rebuild, however long it takes, to get a team that's built just to get in the neighborhood again? Or is this going to have to be a team that is for real in order for the fan base to recover? Because even during the, you know, the buckle up birds era, I feel like there was a lot of distrust among the fan base. You know, constantly waiting for the other shoe to fall. You know, we won't get fooled again type of deal. I don't know. I'm curious as to how the Orioles fans will treat the rebuild and, you know, whatever follows. You know, I I, I think, and this is my personal opinion, I say right now the Orioles can't compete with the Red Sox and the Yankees. But on a long-term basis, I don't know if they're going to need to compete against the, the Red Sox and the Yankees. I personally think that realignment is coming to baseball and it's not going to happen next year or the year after that, but sometime in that 2020 decade, realignment's going to happen, expansion's going to happen, and I think the Orioles are going to get pushed away and no longer be competing against the Yankees in that division. Or divisions won't exist. It may become East-West, um, but I do think, to a certain regard, you won't have to specifically compete with just the Red Sox and the Yankees as Orioles fans going forward. I hear you, and I think there's a lot to that. But let me just let me just throw this out. And this isn't even me just being an Orioles fan with a chip on my shoulder. I think that the relationship between Major League Baseball and the Orioles will make it difficult for baseball to make a move that eases the Orioles back into contention. And I feel like the Orioles need to stay in with the Red Sox and the Yankees so that Major League Baseball can continue to set up homecoming games 19 times a year against both of those clubs, right? When you have a team like the Orioles and the Rays in the same division as the the Yankees and the Red Sox, it makes for teams that have a really good chance to win 95 games, 
right? It, it gives those teams a leg up. It makes them exciting. And I'm not sure that baseball will necessarily want to mess with that. I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But if we're looking at expansion, you're looking at four team divisions. This is the best way to describe it. So I think an easy scenario would be from a regional aspect would be Red Sox, Yankees, Mets, and Blue Jays. And the Mets give them a clear indication of basically having a dumpster fire to always beat up on. Yeah. And and that division you just listed out is a massive market. Massive market. Massive. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that baseball needs to go east-west kind of like the NBA is. The, the travel is much easier. Sure. Um, but yeah, also sports live on rivalries. Right. And distance is what that's about, right? If the Orioles were in a division with Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, and Nationals. I, Laurel would be an ugly place to be. That's fine. But from a from a rivalry standpoint, man, and you talk about tra- traveling to games, Orioles fans would travel up to Phillies games. Orioles sure. fans would travel to Nationals games. Orioles fans would travel to Pittsburgh games. Similar, all those fans would travel to Orioles games too. If you want to talk about getting attendance back up, mm. make it also a regional game to a certain regard. Yeah. So you're saying... You know, the Phillies, the Orioles, the, the Nationals don't have a problem yet, but their downfall is coming when the, when the team gets bad again. Each of those teams is boosted by local markets o- opposing fans that would also come down. Sure. I, I think that, you know, we look at the Nationals and Orioles games, and yes, the Orioles and Nationals were doing really well. But even then, the Orioles and Nationals games have always seen a boost in attendance compared to other games, strictly on the basis of it's very easy to get to those games. I think if you potentially put it in a similar region i think that's the case again this is a complete conversation that's for another time and we can cover this during the winter when we have nothing better to talk about but i do think to a certain regard that i i I don't think there's going to be a time that the orioles are going to be looking up and competing with the yankees for a division and i don't think they're going to be competing against the red sox i think that by the time 2022 comes around the orioles will be of be moved into a realignment expansion will be happening. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that the Orioles will be playing different teams in order to get there. All right. Well, that gives me hope, Scott, you know, maybe we'll miss our, our window for having to, to duke it out with the big boys. Um, you know, but there may also be some hope on the roster right now. I've been thinking a lot about this and Scotty, we've already flashed back once tonight. I want to go back to episode eight of Bird's Eye View. All right, you ready for the next roster question? Go for it. All right, who the hell is Steve Pierce? Who? Yeah, yeah, they they bought some guy from the Yankees. It was a cash transaction. Man, that was was not prescient, Scott. That was not good prediction on our part. It wasn't good sound quality either. (laughs) No, it was terrible. We went on to refer to him derisively as just a body and a 4A player. And I believe one of us even referred to him as an outfielder. Oof. But we had no idea that Steve Pierce would someday become a fan favorite. And, you know, a decent little major league player who's played on every team in the AL East. So looking at the roster, I want to know who will be the next Steve Pierce. Okay. And I don't mean like, Who's going to play on five ALEs teams and who's going to hit massive home runs against left-handed hitters? What I'm saying is, or left-handed pitchers, what I'm saying is who's going to be the guy that pleasantly surprises us? And I mean, let's, let's just do it. I mean, I pulled up the roster the other day 
And I literally said to myself, who the hell, who the hell is Cody Carroll? Yeah. Right. Who the hell is Evan Phillips? Who the hell is Renato Nunez? Only uh, Matt Taylor's kid knows. And who the hell is Jonathan Villar? At this point, you're just making up names, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just making up names. And yes, each of those players has recently joined the Orioles, um, either in a trade or because of the trade. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to say we're not going to win, right? It's going to be truly ugly. But having said that, I think there's reason to to remind ourselves that baseball is fun and occasionally the baseball gods will throw us little nuggets and somebody on the roster who we have no expectation of in any way, shape, or form will entertain us in ways that we don't expect. So I am willing to let Steve Pierce and the magic he brought wash over me uh, as one of my coping mechanisms during this rebuild. All right. So who are you picking from that list that is going to be your next Steve Pierce? Uh, I gotta be honest. I think it's going to be Renato Nunez. Okay. Why? Honestly, because I think that he has a chance to stay on the roster because we need a utility guy and okay. uh, because we keep dealing away our middle infielders. Um, but also just because, um, it's stories, mm-hmm. right? Major League Baseball, baseball is all about stories. This guy is a former Nashville sound. He's got a story built in. I think he's going to be my, uh, my Steve Pierce. All right. I, Completely agree with you to a certain extent, but I think it's going to be a different uh, infielder. Okay. I think it's going to be Jonathan Villar. And the reason I say that is for such a long period of time, people have been saying the Orioles need to steal more bases. (laughs) That's our problem, Scott. That's our problem. We need to be more aggressive on the base pass. And I think Jonathan Villar is going to be that person that's going to be aggressive on the base pass. Here's what I'll say about Jonathan Villar. I think he's going to do pretty much nothing. But I think he's going to have Felix P.A. type games. Oh, jeez. You mean cycle hitter Felix P.A.? Yes. So I think Jonathan Villar is going to uh, live uh, infamously of having these stretches of really good games, really bad games. And I think we are one jersey away (laughs) from having Jonathan Villar be a historical moment. In Birdland going forward. You know that hopeful Scott Magnus is one of my favorite Scott Magnuses, right? Yes. But I I just need to ask you this. Sure. Do you remember some other folks that were aggressive on the base paths? Uh, One, Jameel Weeks. Jameel Weeks, yes. One, Alexi Alexi Tootblan Castilla. Tootblan Castilla, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of them out there. (laughs) I just feel like Jonathan Villar screams, has done nothing, had a brief glimpse of good success in 2016 with the Brewers, and was absolutely horrible again. Not to mention, right at that you know typical twenty-seven to thirty percent strikeout rate that is so so Orioles. But I, I do think that on occasion he is going to have some really uh, high stolen base game seasons, such as I think he's going to have like twenty or thirty stolen bases in certain seasons. And I think people are going to point back to him and say, "We need more players like that." They can get twenty to thirty stolen bases. Why do we not have more like more players like that? We're missing an important component. Sure, Villar sounds like Millar, Ooh. right? It's a tie back to Kevin Millar, the golden era of distraction for bad baseball teams. And Scotty, I'll ask you, what's in a name? Why don't we find out?
took the kids to the baseball game a couple weeks ago. We are going down the escalator on the way home. You asked me a very important question. Yeah. I want to make sure it gets the attention it needs because, frankly, not enough people are talking about this. Yeah. You looked up and you said, oh, my gosh. When the Orioles trade all these players, that section that they buy out for charity is going to have to rename themselves. You know, you don't have Hardy's Party or or whatever it was, you know, the Bad Brocks or whatever they were. They're going to have to have new puns built on new names. Sure. And Scott, we are just the people to provide those new puns. Yep. So what are you looking for most from the Orioles charitable seating? So uh, I went through the 25-man roster and maybe a little bit into the 40-man roster too. On purpose? On purpose. So, like, for example, uh, we've got Paul Fry on the roster right now. We do. We do. Uh, so I was thinking that the section for the kids could be called the Small Fries. Oh, I like this. <laughs> I like so That's this. the kind of stuff that we're going with for this. And you, look, there's a whole, I mean, we could build a, a minor league attraction out of this. This is complete Baltimoreans territory here. So, sure. boys, you need to get back in the game. Sherzies that, that are, you know, like a, a, a fry sleeve down below and just fries up above with yep. small fries and script. They could give away a small container of fries to Absolutely. the kids. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. All right. Well, you're clearly good at this. What else you got? Uh, another one I've got is for Tanner Scott. I would call it the Tanner Bed. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. I like, and you know, they could like turn the lights down low and put a spotlight on the section. You just actually blast the LED section right at them and only on that, basically. <laughs> just burn a hole. Yes, everything goes dark except for that one section, basically. All right. Uh, I'm starting to get the feel of it. Uh, what about this? And I feel like we got to do it this year or it's going to be gone. Sure. Valencia's Oranges. Oh, I like it. And then everybody in the section gets orange jerseys that say Valencia on the back. I like it. Uh, one name that's come up a lot lately has been Cedric Mullins. And then people are saying, when is Cedric Mullins going to come up? Uh, now that the whole roster has been torn down, uh, Cedric Mullins needs to come up and play center field. And I, I'm not arguing with them against this. And I think it's going to happen in the near future, probably in September call-ups. I think somebody with 10-5 rights made that not happen. Well, Again, that's a whole other aspect. But <laughs> here's one for you. I mean, if Cedric Mullins is going to be a part of the rebuild for the Oros, what if you call the section Mullins the Future? Ooh. Ooh, I like that. I like that. All right. Um, you know, the Orioles keep embarrassing themselves just over and over and over again. And I know that you are really fond of the shrimp, right? You love when a game ends on the shrimp. Shrimp-themed. Trumbo's Jumbos. Like it. Uh, so I've got another one. Not sure if it's quite appropriate. But what I think we should do is I think you we should. You're not sure if it's appropriate. I'm shocked. Yeah. Uh, so I think we need to get tickets to like the Boys Club in Baltimore. But I think it needs to come from Michael Givens. And I think it should be Givens out the dongs. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm going to body X that one. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Is that a bad one? In any stretch of the imagination. All right. Let's, but it's true, though. He's givens out the dongs. Let's, let's scale this back into appropriateness. Uh, and let's get a little romantic. Oh. What about the heart warmers? Oh, I do like the heart warmers. For Donnie Hart. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. Um, another one that I had was um, this would be for Cody Carroll. We're looking for something for him now. 
What about Deck the Halls for Cody Carroll? <laughs> I, I do I do like that. But you could have gone so much worse with Dickens. Absolutely. Right? Like, and these are kids, you know, just like do the whole great expectation. Oh, right. Man, this was uh, – <clears throat> there's a lot there. There yeah. are layers upon layers. Please, sir, I'd like some more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about, um, you know – we need to uh, we need to make some sort of competition out of this. So maybe two sections, okay, that a player could could uh, buy out, and this one would be keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, I like that, right? And so I don't know what the competition would be, but those two would be pitted against one another. You know, maybe loudest cheer or most enthusiastic presence. I don't, I don't know, but something, and and the theme would be keeping up with the Joneses. I like it. So Mike Wright has made a miraculous comeback and has been doing an okay job so far in the second half of the season. Obviously, his section's got to be called Junior's Juniors. <laughs> Junior! <laughs> yeah, but uh, as Mike Wright is the uh, the Harry Potter aficionado Ooh. of the roster, yeah. I think that it's got to be Harry Potter theme. Oh, I mean, I don't want to go into a point. baseball widow's territory here, but I, yeah. I feel like they're really missing out on reaching out to kids and our wives um, to be able to to you know connect with people. Yeah. What about uh, what about this? I I want to know you know we've we've talked about uh, you know so many players that have come over in trades. Um, I think it should just be a blank spot and call it the trade baiters. Mm. Whoever's new on the team gets that one. What if instead we have it be a white erase board and you can just <laughs> write in the name? As a white erase board every single I like night. that. That's a good <laughs> that is a good giveaway. Again, if we're going to be sustainable at Camden Yards going forward from a, an energy standpoint, why not just go ahead and do it in that way? Well, yeah, and you don't want to end up in a territory where where we are now, where just we have a Kevin Gosman giveaway with no Kevin Gosman. I, I like the white eraser, uh, you know, the, the whiteboard. That right. that has that has legs. But if we're really gonna do the best one, it's gotta be Joe Angel's the wins column. For Austin wins. Oh, I like that. So that's got to be a Joe Angel aspect where Joe Angel has to literally call it down and be like, you got to make the wins column as a, as a section. I assume he's done that already, right? He's he's had to. Oh, he's I mean, been, on the call on the Of radio. course. Of okay. course. I, I think... The, oh, you, you haven't been listening to games? <laughs> Not on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the radio. But I, I do, like, I'm, I, I think that they need to market. Right. And they kind of need to go minor league park. They really have to get, uh, get into this. Um, so I'm curious, what did we miss? Birdland. You need to let us know. What are the, the player slash giveaway deals, uh, you know, for the name of the section that we've missed? Tweet at us. Uh, we're at Bird's Eye View, B A L. And, uh, and what do you want to call it? Section name? Tweet at us with hashtag section name. It doesn't matter. Just tweet at us. Nobody nobody will read it anyway. No one's going to read it. No one's listening. Speaking of no one listening, I think that we should go on and see what was good, what was bad, and what was ugly. That's right. It's time. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. And Scott, I'm not going to make you cue it up, but I'm torn like Natalie Imbruglia. This is how you feel 
I'm all out of faith. Um, I wasn't sure which direction to go, so I'm going to give them both to you, and I hope I don't step on your toes. Um, I was torn between uh, Mark Trumbo's trade value, mm-hmm. which clearly you know was was on the way up this this week, and the other one was Danny Valencia, who swaggered the crap out of his one pitching appearance. And let's just be fair: as Orioles pitchers go, one third of an inning. One total batter faced, no emergencies. It's pretty good. Not bad. That is pretty good. Not bad. Well, last week I made my good Jonathan Scope, so that turned out really well. Mm. But in return, they got Jonathan Villar, and Jonathan Villar is going to be my good for the week, who posted a 233 weighted runs created plus after coming over to the Orioles. Uh, good for a 514 Woba and a 0.4 F4 this week. Um, Way to go, Jonathan Villar. Hopefully we can love you further and further as the new Felix PA. All right. Uh, my bad this week is going to go to a- Andrew Kashner, who pitched uh, an inning in two-thirds in his one start this week and gave up all the runs. Gave up all, all the, the runs. runs. That's 10. 10 earned runs for all of you uh, playing at home. How does one do that? Well, seven hits, three walks. Uh, home run and a lot of mullet. He's bad. He was really, really bad. Um, I'll tell you what's also really bad, and it's the whole situation with Kevin Gossman leaving, and it's not so much the aspect of the Orioles traded him. What's really bad is the flack that Kevin Gossman felt of basically leaving the organization saying, I never really felt like I pitched up to the standards that it needed to be. Yeah, Kevin Gossman wasn't, you know, this ace-like player. And yes, maybe he could have been better. But the fact of the matter is Kevin Gossman was a really good pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles during a really nice period of Orioles baseball. Yeah, he never turned into that ace, but he made significant contributions to this team um, in, in some really, really nice years. So I feel like Kevin Gossman fits into that Matt Weeders category of maybe he could have been better. But overall, he was darn good for what we got out of him. So I didn't really like to see, from a bad standpoint, people, you know, kind of belating Kevin Gossman. And I really didn't like to see Kevin Gossman leave on that note of, I really wish I could have led up to my potential as a Baltimore Oriole. Because all in all honesty, he did us proud. So that's my bad for the week, just in terms of the the taste that left in my mouth. Yeah, it was kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, I mean, him... You know, breaking up during the interview and, you know, not wanting to, it, it kind of reminded me of BJ Serhoff. Yeah. You know, he had that kind of exit, which is just, woof. All right. My ugly this week is going to go to Jeffrey Ramirez in his two starts. Wait for it. In his two starts, which totaled 6.2 innings pitched, he gave up 11 earned runs and walked eight batters. I, I don't even know how that is possible, but he was ugly. Yeah, my ugly for the whole situation is going to go down to the trade deadline. And I realize, just like Lila mentioned in the Twitter, um, it was a necessary move. But it's an ugly situation having to deal with the realization that the end has come. And it's even uglier having to deal with the whole aspect of walking in, talking to people and being like, well, who are you rooting for now? It's a really bad situation, and it really harks back down to dark ages baseball in this regard of 
you're not exactly sure who the guys you are rooting for. 2012 was like that at the very beginning. You looked at the roster and you said, who the heck are these guys and how are they going to be able to compete? And we can still look back at 2012's roster and be like, how did this team actually accomplish and get to the playoffs? It was a fun time, Birdland. And it's ugly that it has to finally come to an end. It's necessary, but that doesn't mean I need to like it. Well, now we're sad. Yeah. Well, Scotty, I think there's nothing left to do than to to blow this save. All right, let's blow blow the save. Scotty, we could despair. We could. Too late. As you mentioned, wallow in the fact that the end is near. We'll do. And I'm sure that we will flip positions next week and I'll be the one, uh, you know, tearing out my own heart. But something happened this week that filled me with some hope. Okay. Um, one of the things that crushed me the most about the Orioles was that my son is in prime fall in love with baseball age, right? He's seven years old. He, there will never be a better moment for him to fall in love with baseball than when the Orioles are falling apart. It's terrifying, especially because I, I really need him t- to love baseball because otherwise... Your daughter's there. Yeah, right. Here's the thing. We were driving to the beach this weekend, and um, you know he's in the back seat, and he said, Hey, Dad, I was thinking about it. Uh, for Halloween, I want to be Wild Bill. And, you know, after I pulled myself out of the ditch, I was like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, I want to be, I want to be Wild Bill. That, that like really crazy fan is in the Orioles Hall of Fame. Um, so I was really stoked about it, but I got to thinking about it. I was like, Henry was paying attention on a walk down Utah Street that we had in April or May and still bothered to remember it. Apropos of nothing, several months later, when the Orioles were horrible. And after I had to tell him, hey, buddy, there's no more Manny Machado. And hey, buddy, there's no more Jonathan Scope. And hey, buddy, there's no more Kevin Gosman. Maybe things are still okay. Maybe if you love baseball just enough, you can love it through this nonsense. We ask ourselves all the time, how did we get through the dark ages. How did we create the enthusiasm? How did we generate the love for a team that clearly did not love us back? And will new fans do it? And uh, I had a moment this week where at least one new fan will. And, uh, you know, that was a good feeling. Yeah. It's like they say, Jake, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. <laughs> and that that is our show. Remember that you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is that you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Please remember to rate and review this show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can send hate mail to Scott at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can send idle praise to Jake at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, on Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, 
Baltimore and beyond. I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Hey, good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Whoever's left. Scotty, any uh, terrible predictions before the music stops? There's no way they're going to trade Mark Trumbo. No way. Right? No, no way. No, no way. way. Right. Not happening. Right. And if it happens, we won't podcast about it. Right. Right. Just bring the pies back at this point. And maybe the winds. Yeah. The winds call. Felix Pie? You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.